Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. I'm going to spend a little bit of time, this is funny, I mean, um, it's kind of funny how the Lord gave this to me, considering the message that that I am preaching. I'll go ahead and say this, if you're still working on your offering, James, go ahead and put it up front, and, and if after service you can come and drop it in if you need more time, that's fine. I want to go ahead and get into the word, but the Lord gave me this message, uh, and what the, what the subject is really about, it, it's funny because all day yesterday, it's like so much in my spirit, but the Lord wouldn't really let me nail any one thing down. I was telling him, texting him, saying, I need some more time because I'm sitting in my office like, Lord, you've given me the, this word to deliver to the people, but I don't have these concrete step point one, point two, point three type of things. And so basically, I'm up here this morning, and and I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit to to deliver this word. So open your ears, open your eyes, open your heart, and receive it. Um, I was in prayer yesterday, and I believe the Lord gave me a word for this this next year. And, And this word may be longer May, may span longer than just 2023. But I was out praying, and I was just hungry, like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And, and I felt led by the Spirit to ask God. He, he had me ask him. He said, I want you to ask me. This question, Lord, what are you doing on the earth? What are you doing in the church? What are you doing in America? What are you doing in Angelina County? What are you doing in Huntington? What are you, what are you doing, Lord? Give me insight. Speak to me. And, and I believe that the Lord, he gave me this word. He told me. He said this, there is a shift. And I'm going to give you this prophetic word for the Lord that I believe something has shifted in the spirit. Not just with this church, I mean in the earth right now. There is a shift. Something has shifted. And he gave me this, this phrase, but he said, the body of Christ has entered into this shift where you will see this quote, back to the roots. I want you to write that down. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. And he told me, he said, not only will this happen in the body of Christ, and I'll kind of do my best to explain what that means. But the Lord said that he'll put it on, on secular media. You may even see slogans, campaigns being ran in the next year with this idea of back to the roots. He'll put it in the secular media. He said, you'll see albums coming out. What will they be called? Back to the roots. You'll see, I I mean, you just, you'll see it. The Lord is, there's this shift that's happening. Back to the roots. And so... Back to the Roots will be a movement in the church. 
So what does this really mean? There's several parts in this, and I'm going to do my best to just tell you what the Lord told me, but in order to do this, God is saying he's restoring the house of David, that spirit, the, ta- the, the spirit of the tabernacle of David back to the church. What does that mean? That God is restoring prayer and he's restoring worship back to the church. True prayer, true worship back to the church. You're going to see this breaking take place. Where the church is going to get away from just trying to make the Instagram reels and the Facebook clips and the big production and the big show and and back to the roots of Pentecost and back to the roots of the early church. I mean, I'm telling you, I see it so clear. Not that there's anything just more holy about it, but I I even see that the shift is taking place where you'll see these big places that you go in where the church is like a nightclub with the lights turned off and the smoke machines and, and the most relevant worship song coming from the people that are partying on, you know, getting rejected. And the, the, the newest thing that came out five days ago, that you'll see this total stripping away of these things. And it won't be uncommon to step into some places and just hear a choir of voices singing old hymnal songs to the Lord, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That there's a reverence that God's restoring back to his house. That, that, that Jesus is the focus of the church, not the show, not the crowds, not the people, not the, the business model, none of that. That Jesus is the focus of the church and that the Lord is restoring. There's this back to the roots movement. That's taking place. The David spirit will do this. Basically, what do I mean by the David spirit? The Lord said, in order for this to take place, I'm telling you right now, something's going to be happening where judgment begins in the house of God. And the Lord said this. He said that he's going to begin to remove Saul's And give Saul's kingdom to David's. He's going to be taking Saul's kingdom and handing it to David's. What is David's? Uh, What does that mean? Look at 1 Samuel 13, 14. God told Saul this in the Bible. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So basically, there's a harvest that's coming. I believe it in the state of Texas, in the United States, where there is a fresh harvest of people being called into the ministry where God's appointing people who who are like David, who have a heart after God, a man, a woman after God's own heart, who are going to come. This goes right along with this Elijah. You know, the Bible says that Elijah... The spirit of Elijah will come before the second coming of Christ. 
The Bible identified John the Baptist when Jesus came the first time as a prophet who came in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus said that. And so what was this spirit of Elijah? Well, the Bible says that John the Baptist, when he came, he was a voice shouting out from the wilderness. And it says that he came and he made the crooked path straight. He made the rough edges smooth. Not only did John the Baptist or the spirit of Elijah come when Christ came the first time to the earth, The Bible says that even before Jesus comes back the second time, the battle of Armageddon, the the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there'll be two witnesses in Israel. One of those witnesses identified in Scripture is actually the prophet Elijah. So there is the spirit. I want you to hear me. There's this spirit. There's this shift that's taking place where the Lord is raising up men and raising up women who have not a heart to build the business model and make the millions of dollars and the biggest buildings and the prestige and the glory and the honor. They're making the cricket path straight in America again. The rough edge is smooth in America again. That God is taking kingdoms from people, kingdoms, hypothetical kingdoms. You know, about Saul, you need to understand this. King Saul, he was never God's choice. He was man's choice. God never willed that Saul was the king. The people wanted him as the king. They wanted a king. And so in in order to fulfill that request, the Lord appointed Saul. You have that happening all in America. Somebody's dad pastored a church and then they grew up and what did they do? They just appointed the people, just a board of elders just voted this person in to to take the work of the Lord or, you know, in in a denomination, they just send out their resumes and you just have, well, if you're assemblies of God, you just bounce from here to here to here and here. And God is saying this, that I'm removing the man appointed and I am bringing in the God appointed. And it's not just young people. God's going to begin to call people in their 40s, in their 50s, maybe even older than that, that they've never been in ministry, but yet they've been kept in a secret place with the Lord, being trained by the Lord for such a time as this. God's going to bring them in, and they're going to set the cricket path straight. This back to the roots. You'll see it. Write the phrase down. You'll see it in 2023. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. Back to the roots. I feel the Spirit of the Lord telling me to prophesy this, that he's raising up people even in the political world in America for this season of time are going to run with that passion and that revelation of restoring America back to its foundation. Back to the men that form this nation as one nation under God, back to the Constitution, back to what we were originally created and, and entered into covenant with God in order to be that the Lord's bringing up people that are David's that have a heart after God that are going to set the cricket path straight. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying this that the, that. In order to hand this over, you're going to see many things exposed. It's not about just shame, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the body of Christ that the Lord declares it can go on no longer. 
You've prostituted out the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've taken the pure and spotless bride of Christ and you've dressed her in harlot's clothing. You've pimped out the the bride of Christ. And the Lord says he's done with it. He's done with it. There's been wickedness that's been done in secret. There's been embezzlement that's taken place. And the Lord says that what's been done in secret will now come to light. The things that were done in the dark are going to be shouted from the rooftops. The secret affairs that have taken place of of ministers of the gospel that have ran around and, and slept with multiple women and, you know, just a few years ago, and it's always been hidden in the dark. They've paid people off. There's this stuff that's just been hidden, and they've went on running their kingdom just like Saul. Look at my kingdom. I'm going to do it my way. They think that they're too big to fall. The Lord says, I'll expose them, and I'll remove them, and I'll give Saul's kingdom to David. The Lord also said, how can you identify a Saul from a David? You need to understand this. Saul is one who mocks the prophet's mantle. Look at, uh, and that's the same thing. You understand. You, if you listen, if, you, if you're new to this, you may not understand. And I know this is a bit of a strange message, but this is what the Lord told me to say. But you may hear this term, Jezebel. This is, it's, it's all in cahoots here. Jezebel, the one that tried to kill and persecute Elijah in the Bible. The wife of Ahab. Wicked, horrible, evil, nasty woman. Driven by a demonic spirit. <clears throat> Killed the prophets, persecuted the prophets. And the Lord says, you'll know a Saul because they mock the prophet's mantle. Look at 1 Samuel 15, 27 through 28. As Samuel the prophet turned to go, so he came and said, the Lord's rejected you to Saul. Saul tried to hold him back and he tore the hem of his robe. Modern translation used the word robe, but if you read a King James, it's a mantle. You know, when Elijah went up to heaven, it says that his mantle his, it was a cloak. It fell, and Elijah, Elisha took that mantle, and he received a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. That mantle was the grace of God. It was the gift of God. It was the, the, the prophet. When a, a prophet's mantle, it was his gift, his placing, his anointing of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so when it says that Saul reached out and it, he tore the hem of his robe, he tore the prophet's mantle. And Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else who is better than you. So what it means to tear the, the, the prophet's mantle, how do you know a Saul? How do you know a Jezebel? It's because they listen to the prophets and they mock them. They hear the words of the Lord being released, and if it was written on a piece of paper, they look at that piece of paper, they laugh and think, Who are these people? We got our own show. We got our own kingdom. And they take that piece of paper and they rip it in half and don't give another thought to it. And they tear the prophet's mantle. And the Lord says, since you've tore the the hymn, since you've tore the, the, the mantle of the prophet, he said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. And will give it to someone else, a man after his own heart. Thank you, Jesus. 
There is a back-to-the-roots movement. I'm telling you, you're going to see a total shift. We're not, going to, we're not going to live in the time of celebrity pastors and ministers anymore. Where you just got pastors walking around like they're Justin Bieber going on the Oprah Winfrey show. No, there's going to be a spirit of humility and reverence that comes back to the church. Where God's given these great platforms to these people that have built a, a, a huge platform for themselves and exalted themselves and made an image of themselves. And the Lord says, I'm going to tear down that image. And it won't be about a name. It won't be about a person. There will be one name that it's about, and it's the name of Jesus Christ. It won't be, well, John Wallace is doing this, and, and, and Gary Allen is doing that. No, it'll literally be, no, look what the Lord is doing. Look what the Lord is doing in America. Look what the Lord is doing on the earth. Such a level of humility that the Lord's restoring back to the church. So the Lord said, part of this, back to the roots, there's going to be prayer, there's going to be worship restored back to the church of the Lord. Part of that is this, the Lord said, simplified services. What does this look like? This true shift that's going to take place, you're going to see simplicity in services. You go to anywhere nowadays and they got the media pastor, right? And then they got the, the camera pastor and then they got the, the, this pastor and that pastor and the janitor pastor and then the toilet plunger pastor and... <laughs> I've always thought that term is so weird, the media pastor. I'm like, what are you pastoring? The computers? You getting the computers together and having a Bible study and laying hands on the computers? Yeah, casting out the devil's spirit from the computers? Amen. Sometimes we have to do that. But the Lord said simplified services, and, and this is what he meant by this. He said the church, what this is going to look like is the church must begin to rely on God to reach people and not the arm of flesh. Listen to that. The church will begin to rely on God to reach people and not the arm of flesh. What that means is in America today and around the world today, we've begun to rely on the arm of flesh to encounter people. The church is spending millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars just to make sure we have the best, biggest production that there is available. And churches are competing with one another. Who can have the biggest production? Who can have the best production? And then it's like they have staff meetings afterwards where, you know, the lights weren't just so this and the fog machines weren't and all of this junk. And the Lord said simplicity because you begin to realize we're not relying on any of that stuff. We're relying on the power of God to touch the people. That means we're simplifying it. We're stripping it back. That means what if we don't even, you know, there comes a time none of this matters. The drums and all of that, it's not some big show. It's not some circus show and some performance. The Lord said a movement's going to take place where it will draw those that have a heart for the Lord and it will, it will com compel those that are rebellious in their hearts. All the people that call themselves Christians, that they can't seem to worship unless they have all of those things. 
They couldn't walk into a prayer service that says, hey, for the next 10 minutes, we're just going to lift our hands, pray in tongues, or sing in the Spirit. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't like that. I like the big show. The Lord says that there's a movement that's coming that will act as a sift. It will draw those true worshipers, people that worship the Lord in spirit and truth, and it will reject those that are disingenuous in their heart. You know why? Because it's all the harvest, the harvest. But you know, revival is not about the harvest. Revival is about the church. God has to do this work in the church first in order for the harvest to work. There has got to be reformation and revival in the body of Christ where the Christian is revived, where the Christian comes on fire, where the person who claims the name of Jesus returns back to the Lord. And gets right and right standing with God. And then that is what revival is. Revival is not for the lost. It's for the church. But he said simplicity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One through five. Look what Apostle Paul said. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I did not use lofty words to impress an impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. What did he say? I did not use lofty words. For I decided that while I was with you, I would get I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I didn't come trying to be cute, trying to be funny. Paul said, I didn't put a creative team together that helped write my jokes for Sunday morning and put the little slide up here. You know, he said, I came simply, I forgot everything and simplified it to Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Say very plain. Do you know this is the same reason why Jesus taught in parables that nobody could understand? You know what it would cause? When someone begins to preach very plain, you're doing two things. Number one, it's sifting. Somebody that doesn't have a heart for God and it's something's not an entertainment, people are coming to be entertained. When you stop entertaining them, it will drive those people away because they're not getting entertained anymore. But the person who has a heart for God. And I don't mean that this has to be boring, but guys, this is what I'm saying, is we've got to rely on the power of God. One of the great revivalists, the one that led the first great awakening in the United States of America in the 1700s, the way that he was saved is that he went in the 1700s, right? They didn't even have electricity. He went into an old Baptist church, wooden Baptist church, at 9 o'clock at night by the candlelight. He was already in his 30s, never had been saved. And the old minister was reading the prequel to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther. He wasn't even reading the scripture. He was just reading the introduction to the book of Romans. And this man got a hold of God and got saved and birthed the first great awakening in the United States of America. What does that tell you? That when you have a heart for the Lord, when you have a heart like David, 
We don't have to have, ready, we're going to have the tracks and the, the youth camp to jump up and down. You can just simply lift your hands to the Lord and you can just begin to dance in the Spirit. You have a heart for God. You can worship the Lord even in the simplicity. I'm going to tell you something, guys. It's not about the skill level. If you go to a church and you can't worship because the skill level, man, you don't have a heart for the Lord. You should be able to find something because it's not about the, the show. It's about him. You should be able to find something to latch on to. If there's no music, can you worship God? If there's no music, can you dance before the Lord? If there's nothing, this is the heart of David. As the, as the ark was being brought into Jerusalem, it says David danced before the Lord. There's a major shift happening in the body of Christ where the, the church is going to stop catering to the flesh of people. So Paul said that when I came to you, I came very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what I'm doing in this service right now. I am not here trying to entertain you. I am not trying to get you to just have the funnest time that you've just ever had. And wow, that was the most creative church service. I am believing God that whoever is hungry at heart, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to touch you because of your position of your heart towards the Lord, not because of my personality and not because of my gift and not because of the show that I give you. This is what Paul is saying. I did this, listen to this, so that you would trust not in human wisdom but in the power of God. I saw a post that it really struck me, but it said the church has become ahistorical. That word ahistorical means this. Not concerned or related to history. Historical development tradition. So basically the church has got to a point where we're not even concerned with, with biblical accuracy in history. We don't even care how close we are to this word as long as we're putting on a, a Christian super show on Sunday morning. Are y'all with me here? This is the problem. We don't even care. The blatant things that we read in the scripture, we skip over it and we reject it because it doesn't fit into our Christian super show. This is an abomination to the Lord. You know, it's so true, but it's like I saw that this generation of Christians, they're more interested in singing the most relevant worship song that came out five minutes ago than how about us just coming together and, and, and in unison reciting the Lord's Prayer together? What about us just coming together and, and, and giving the apostolic creed? Father, we believe you created the heaven and the earth. We believe Jesus Christ came, the Son of God came. He shed his blood. He died on a cross. He resurrected from the grave. You start doing stuff like that. Imagine in a church service, hey, we're going to stand up and we're going to put it on the screen and we're all just going to lift our hands and worship the Lord and recite an apostolic creed to the Lord. According, just reciting these things. People would walk around, wow, this is like a cult. 
You're so American, you're not even biblical. And then the leaders will say, oh my gosh, they don't like that. They don't think that's fun. That's not cute enough for them. That's not relevant enough for them. So let's do away with the Bible and let's do away with all of this stuff and let's just make sure that everybody has a good old time. And the Lord says, you're naked. You're poor. You're wretched. You say that you're rich and you have everything that you need. But you're poor, naked, wretched. And so, the Lord said simplified services. Well, we're going to begin to get this reality of, Lord, we don't need another Christian super show. We're going to cut it all back. We're going to just simplify it. The mega church flipping the lights on and saying, you know what? For the next 30 minutes, let's lift our hands and lift our voice to the Lord and just begin to worship the Lord. That's the heart of David being restored. This is about reverence to God. So I'm going to finish this message up today, but, you know, I was doing some digging, as I told you in the offering portion of the service, of what a service in the early church would have looked like, and and I already began to tell you, but I'm just going to kind of revisit some things here. In the early church, I'll simplify it, there was many parts, but... It was, very, it was very formal, actually. You would think that it was just crazy and chaotic, but it was actually very formal and structured of how they would do things. But they would have worship. They would open up to the, the book of Psalms, and they believed that was God, God's hymnals, and they would just sing a melody to the book of Psalms. Don't do that in America. You know why? Because they'll go to Timber Creek down the street. They don't like that. Well, if you just do stuff like that, people won't come back a second time. They would worship the Lord in, in Psalms, and as I told you, the average church was three hours long. Most of that three hours, they would spend a a large portion of that time in prayer. And they expected people to stand in prayer. They expected people to engage in prayer. And and here's this crazy thing, guys. They, They really enforced that there was an expectation on the believer. You are here to honor God. If you don't want to honor God, get out because we're honoring God. There was no catering to this stuff. If you don't want to worship the Lord, I love you, I'll pray for you, but don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. They would worship the Lord with psalms. They would give the word portion. The word portion of the service is what I'm doing right now. They would preach. And anybody was welcome to this part of the service. Unbelievers, pagans, people that just were interested in Christianity, they would give the word. And then they would have a break. And they would, they would have a split. And this was what was funny is, I'm not kidding you. The next part of the service was known as the Thanksgiving portion of the, of the service, the Thanksgiving part. And they would actually, the deacons would go through the church and begin to kick everybody out that was not a Christian, that was not saved, and was not water baptized. 
You guys think, well, that, this is harsh. This is what they were doing. The men that walked with Jesus were doing things like this in the early church. It wasn't out of judgment. It was out of this reality that, guys, this is a holy time filled with reverence of the Lord. This ain't circus show time. This ain't just fun and entertain everybody and, and be all things for everybody to enjoy. This is a time for the saints to come together and celebrate the Lord on the day that he rose again from the dead. Sunday. So if you weren't confirmed water baptized in the church, this was before the Catholic church. I know you're thinking, well, that sounds Catholic. This was before Christianity spread through Rome and became Roman Catholicism. This was the practice of the early church. Then now once it was all the, only the Christians in the service, they would say, okay, now it's time. We're going to sing hymns and songs to the Lord, and we're going to do our tithes and offerings. And can you imagine that? You, you guys think there's so many Christians like, I don't want to hear anything about that. In the early church, there was an expectation on the believer. You're a believer. This is your due diligence to the Lord. For several reasons. You're a believer. The Bible says to support the work of the ministry. You're a believer. The Bible says to bring food to the storehouse. You're a believer. The Bible says to give. And they taught the tithe. And they took up offerings. And it was actually a part of the thanksgiving service to the Lord. And then they would do communion. Say communion. They'd take the bread. They'd take the wine. And they did it every week. Do you know why they did it every week? Because Jesus said to do it as often as we gather together. Do you know why they did it every week? Because Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we are supposed to do that every week. You may not know this, but did you know that we do it as a church every week? Some of you may not know that because you don't come, but we do it at 9.30 in the morning every week. And guys, can I talk to the Christians for a moment? Anybody a Christian? If you are a Christian, it is your responsibility to be here. It's not anybody else's responsibility to get you here. It's your responsibility to get yourself here. Get your butt out of bed. Put your pants on and get to the house of God and let's have reverence for the Lord. We are the body of Christ. We're sharing in one body together. Are you with me? And I'm not telling you anything that's not in the word. They, there was an expectation on the believer. This is your due diligence. This is your confession. This is your walk of faith. Don't forsake assembling together as some people do. I know you, don't, you start preaching to Americans like this. They don't like it. It's, I'm telling you the truth. They would pray. They would take communion with one another. You know, there's something holy about communion. It brings unity in the church. I told the communion service this morning, at the end of communion in the early church, they would actually require everybody to, in the Bible, there's this term. Look, look at it yourself. Greet one another with a holy kiss. They would go around and kiss each other on the cheek. What was that? You're my brother. You're my sister. In this time, 
There was slaves, there was bond servants. It didn't matter if you were white, didn't matter if you were black, didn't matter if you were rich, didn't matter if you were poor. A part of communion is it was not finalized till they went around and they gave each other a holy kiss. I'm not saying go walk around kissing everybody, but what I am saying is this. There was this, when they did that, it was symbolic of we are coming together. We're one body. We're one people. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're united in, we're united in spirit. I don't understand, especially a church that has communion, a believer that says, I don't want to come to that. I don't understand. Are you not one body with the body of Christ? Then how are you excluded? And if you missed one time, I'm not like picking on you. I'm talking about just a reoccurring mindset. Are you guys with me here? I'm sorry, but this is the expectation of the Lord. And then they had an expectation, like I said, of giving. And I I read this quote from this theologian. He said, the early church had formal liturgy that was filled with reverence and affection for God. So basically, that word liturgy, it just means an order of service. So here's my point. If you could be a fly on the wall in the early church, you would sit there and you would walk out saying one thing. That service was filled with reverence in affection for God and Christ. What is God doing? This back to the roots. God's bringing it back where the service is going to become filled with reverence and affection for God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to it again. God is bringing it back. He's going to bring David's, people with a spirit, a heart after God's uh, own heart, a man and women after God's own heart who are going to make the crooked path straight and bring reverence and affection back to the Lord and the house of God. Hallelujah. It's not about the show. It's not about the performance. Jesus, it's all about you. And we're going to simplify this and believe that you're going to be the one that touches these people. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish this word with this. And the Lord said, all who will simplify. What does it mean to simplify? Again, it just means this. All who will rely on God to reach the people and not the arm of flesh. All who will simplify and rely on the power of God. The Lord said this, will experience the glory of the Lord. As we begin to get away from the show and get back to the roots, the Lord said that you'll you'll begin to experience the glory of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Azuzu Street glory of the Lord, back in this day and age. The glory of the Lord that filled the temple, back in this day and age. Thank you, Lord. All who will simplify and not make it a show and a production, but a, a time where the saints are, are set on one thing, love and affection and reverence towards a holy God. He said, I'll fill the place with my glory. You'll experience the glory of the Lord. And the Lord says that this will work as a sift because as you begin to implement these changes and strip all the show and all the, all the places and all the pieces to accommodate all the flesh and you just simplify it, Maybe it turns into a voice with a guitar worshiping the Lord. Maybe it turns into extensive prayer time. 
in the service, the Lord said it'll work as a sift and it will cause the rebels and the disingenuous at heart to leave and go where they can appease their flesh. And he said this, this will be the test of the house. Here's the test. Do you want the crowd or do you want the presence, says the Lord. And this is where David's will bring the glory of the Lord back to the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hannah, come on the keyboard and and play. We're just going to pray together for a moment. Are you all okay with that? Can we pray together? Thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We love you. We want you, Lord. We need you. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want the show. We want your glory, Lord. We don't want just the money, Lord. We want your glory. We don't want the crowd and the following. We want your glory, Lord. We want fellowship with the living God. Anybody else desire that from the Lord? Hallelujah. Anybody else desire to see the way that the Lord moved in the past, that he would do it in our, dinner, in our generation, that the Bible says that the glory of the latter house will be more glorious than the former. I feel the Lord saying this, that in the last days it says many will depart from the faith. Many will be led astray in what's known as the great apostasy. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. They'll follow into heresies and false doctrines. But although many depart from the faith, it will not be a broken time for the church. It will be a glorious time for the church. The church will be sifted. The Lord said that the wheat will be separated from the chaff, that the goats will be separated from the sheep, and that my church will return. Not a people set on their flesh and after their own pursuits and their own desires, but a people whose hearts are set on the heart of God, on the presence of God, on the love and reverence of the Lord. And he said, the glory of the Lord shall fill the house. The glory of the Lord shall cover the earth in the last days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's got to be such a hunger and desperation and brokenness for the Lord. Because the pulpits are lying to people and multitudes of people that go to church every Sunday are going straight to hell. They're going straight to hell. 
We're not making disciples. We're not making mature followers and believers of the Lord Jesus Christ who can command angel armies and subdue demonic principalities. We're making believers that are so consumed with self and using the name of Jesus for self-profit and self-gain, they never deny themselves, and they'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, depart from me, I never even knew who you were. The Lord declares, he says, that he's bringing strong preaching back to America. Strong preaching back to America. That'll produce a godly sorrow in the heart of God's people. A spirit of repentance. When we begin, our eyes get open, we say, Lord, we've rejected you. We've rejected you. We've been rejecting your move. We've been rejecting your spirit. We've been rejecting the Son of God. But now, Lord, we humble ourselves. We repent. The Lord says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll answer their prayer. I'll restore their land. Hallelujah. I'll pour out my spirit, declares the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, just for a moment, this is not the time to casually seek God. I want you, I want you to seek the face of the Lord for the next few minutes here. Seek the face of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want you to join me in prayer right now for God to open the door. If you don't know what that means, I preached a message on Wednesday night calling prayer, prayer that Jesus would open the door. Isaiah 22, 22 says that Jesus holds the key of David. He opens a door that no man can close and he closes a door that no man can open. Apostle Paul said in the book of Corinthians, he said that the Lord has opened a great and effectual door. Basically, here's the point. There is no, there is no word, there is not, the word revival is never used in the scripture. There's only the concept of Jesus opening the door. What, is it, what happens when Jesus opens the door? God divinely intervenes in the affairs of man. Divine intervention in the affairs of man. The Lord comes behind and he just breathes on it. He breathes on a church. What happens when divine intervention ha comes to a church? Revival comes to that church. What happens when divine intervention comes to, if it came to Angelina County, revival comes to Angelina County. That's so much bigger than a service. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the, the church coming alive, the spirit of religion, the principality, the strong man coming down. The fire of God and the, the Holy Ghost flowing through the streets. 
Jesus has to open the door. We have to humble ourselves, seek his face and pray. Knock and he said, the door shall be open. Come on, church, I want you to pray for the open door in America over this nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church, pray. Pray violent prayers. Oh, Jesus, open the door. Open the door, Lord. Open the door, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, open the door, Lord. Come on, I don't believe everybody in here is getting in the spirit fully. Let's have a reverence for the Lord. If, if you, unless you can't stand, I want you to, unless you're on your face, stay on your face, but stand before the Lord and pray. Get a reverence for God and His Spirit. Now, if you can't stand, then don't, but if you can, if you're able, let's get out of a casualness. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we need you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to pray this over you. Just receive it and join with me. But Lord, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. Make us effective Christians, Lord. Effective Christians in our homes. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for restoring things back in the home. That marriage is coming back together. That there's going to be women. They come an effective Christian. They die to their self. They die to their flesh. They die to that controlling spirit. And they serve their husbands. For the husbands, Lord, they die to selfishness. They die to the authority trip. And you make them loving husbands that care for their wives. And present fathers for their children. Effective, child, uh, effective, effective Christians in the homes, Lord that raise up our children in the way that they should go, that remove wickedness, that puts a stop to the stronghold of the devil. It says, me and my house will serve the Lord. My, house, my, my children will grow up in the house of the Lord. My children will grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. My children won't grow up participating with demons and, and being led astray by the lies of this culture. No, the Lord puts an expectation. The Lord is looking for men who will lead their households. There's so many people that say, what happened to my kids? And the Lord said, what do you mean? You allowed it to happen. You were too lenient. You were too light. Listen to me. This is a word from the Lord to the parents. You are not here to be your, friend, your friends with your children. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. They will not depart from it. Train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They will not depart from it. But don't settle. 
So many people have had such a lethargy in their house and then their kids have been swept away and they wonder, well, how did this happen? Because of your lethargy and making the things of God the least of importance in your life. Do your children see you reading the Bible? Men, do your wives see you praying and reading the Bible? Wives, do your husbands see you seeking the Lord? Do your children see you living a holy life? Or do your children walk in and see their father watching trash on TV? He has to change the channel real quick. What? You better live in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Much less not just raising godly children, you, you, you questioning your own salvation. It says that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, help us be effective Christians in the world, in the workplace, excellent witnesses of the gospel. Lord, help us be Christians with the strength and power of God to stand in this last hour. You said many will be arrested, persecuted, and killed and hated all over the world because we're your followers. Lord, as, the, as Jesus draws near, the climate of this world is going to turn more and more against the believer. It's going to get more radical against your, your children. The public school is going to get more radical against your children, more radical against the gospel. Restrictions more radical against the gospel. Christians will lose their jobs. Christians will lose things. There will be an actual price to pay for the gospel. But you must stand because the Bible says only those who endure to the end will be saved. Thank you, Lord, for compromise, getting out of the body of Christ. We're not going to be a bunch of compromised. You're not coming back for a compromised church. It says that you'll come back for a church that's pure and spotless and without blemish. And Lord, if that means 90% of the church falls away in the great apostasy, then that means the 10% that stand, they'll be pure and spotless and without blemish. Thank you for that, Holy Ghost. Come on, is anybody receiving this today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that today you were honored. Your name was honored. Your word was honored and given attention and giving and had our, our reverence, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the resurrected one. And Lord, we have, we have forsaken all to follow you. Just sing this song. Play a D for me. You don't have to play the chords. Just kind of hold that right there. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, hallelujah, no turning back. One more time, sing it again. For I have decided, oh, me and my house. Keep singing. I have decided to follow Jesus, oh, yes. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Lord, even if it costs us, though none go with me, even my family, still I will follow. Even my friends, though none go with me, Still I will follow, though none go with me. Still I will follow, no turning back, oh Lord, no turning back. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. All glory to you, Jesus. All glory to you, Jesus. All glory to you, King Jesus. You are the King, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the Lord. Hallelujah. I just speak over that principality in the White House. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Lord over America. Every little lying principality and power that has exalted itself on a demonic throne on the earth, I declare Jesus is the king and he'll have his victory. He'll subdue all the nations. The he'll, he'll cause all the nations to become a footstool underneath his feet. He'll rule the nations with an iron rod. He can smash kingdoms like clay, plot, like clay pots. Thank you, Jesus. I speak over every little demonic spirit trying to infiltrate the life of the believer in this room. Jesus is the king. You have no power over anybody that will confess that name. And stand under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All demonic power is broken. I'm telling you right now, death is canceled in the name of Jesus. Death over your children, canceled in the name of Jesus. 
Spirit of infirmity, you're canceled now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Live a holy life. Live a holy life, says the Lord. You better get radical about severing ties with the devil. I'm telling you, some of you have gotten so lethargic, says the Lord. The best thing that you could do today is go home and take a sledgehammer to your television. I'm not even joking. Some of you need to evaluate that word. One of the best things you could do today, go home and take a sledgehammer to your television. Get rid of it. Come back to the works that you did at first. Prayer. Get excited to pray. Some of you used to love to come to pray and be so excited, and now it's a rarity to see someone show up. It's... Get rid of the lethargy. You never mature to a place in Christ where you think that you're excluded from these things. Well, I've matured now where I don't need to go to prayer every week. Oh, you're, you're fooling yourselves. I've matured now where I don't need that. I don't, I, no, you, you've fallen into a spirit of lethargy and you've believed the lie of the devil. You must keep the flame burning. Fan into flame the gift that you receive, the apostle Paul said. You must keep the flame burning. You must keep the flame burning on the altar day and night before the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. It, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It will cost you time. It will cost you luxury. It will cost you relaxation. It will cost you being comfortable. But you have to sacrifice it to keep the fire burning. To keep the lamps and the, the lanterns lit. Hallelujah. You receive the word of the Lord this morning. Come on, give the Lord Jesus Christ one more praise offering. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I love you all. God bless you. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.